When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're doing true or false questions. So Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Pasco, Ashley Bastock, and I each came up with some true or false questions. We threw them out and decided how we would answer them. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I got this idea because my daughter was complaining about state testing in school. So you're going to have that, you're going to have fill in the blanks. I don't know if we're doing essay questions. I don't know how, the, how that's going to go, but uh, that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber... Go become one. It's the blue banner at the top of the page, cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, you get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and you can become one of our text subscribers. And that's where we're going to get our fill-in-the-blank questions from our text subscribers. So become a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. All right, here we go. Let's do some true or false questions on today's Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Let's get right to it. We're going to do true or false questions today. Uh, we each came up with a couple of them. We'll, we'll get to our best ones here. I'm going to start this off. I feel like this is a good one. Maybe I'm wrong. So you guys can tell me that I'm wrong when I when I say it. But here we go. True or false? Jacoby Brissett will start more games than Baker Mayfield. In 2022, Scott's head just like I had that written down too. I swear that was like the first thing I had down for mine. So I'm I'm already on my backup to our false question. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) I usually don't go first, but I thought this was a good one. And so I so I needed to get it out there because my backup one is really bad. So trust me, we needed I needed to do this one. So Jacoby Brissett will start more games in 2022 than Baker Mayfield. A lot of layers to this. You've got to guess Deshaun's suspension. You've got to guess where Baker goes, if he would be a starter there. True or false? Who wants to, who wants to take this one first? Mary Kay, what do you think? Wow, this is a good one. This is really, really good. It blows away anything that I have on my list. I can promise you that. Um, I am going to say false. I'm going to say false. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I don't think that uh, Deshaun Watson's suspension is going to be all that long. I feel like it'll end up being like it'll start out at six games, then they appeal it and it comes down to four or something like that. And I also then think that the Browns are going to possibly hang on to Baker Mayfield until a team has a quarterback injury and signs him to be their starter. So I think that could happen within the first, first four or five weeks of the season. And then he could end up starting, you know, eight, nine, 10 games or something like that. So I am going to say that it's false that Jacoby Brissett will, will start more games than Baker Mayfield. I love that Dan is starting this off by stirring the pot, but I also love that Mary Kay went first because she's so smart that it allows me to think and and build (laughs) off of what she says. So I, the one thing in there that I definitely agree with is in terms of the suspension, when you think back to Ben Roethlisberger, when he had similar allegations against him, 
it was exactly what Mary Kay said there. It was a six game suspension and it got whittled down to four games. So if we're going off of that, I'm not entirely sure that Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended for that long, which means obviously less games for Jacoby Brissett. And no matter what happens to Baker Mayfield, I think he might still have the edge there right now. Yeah, see, my question was basically the same. It was Baker Mayfield plays fewer snaps than Jacoby Brissett in 2022. So that's really what we're, we're talking about, though, is like, do you think Baker Mayfield is going to be a starter in 2022 or not? Um, and uh, under Mary Kay's scenario, that certainly makes a lot of sense waiting for like the best opportunity to move him and get the most for him because, you know, right now teams don't want to give up a very high pick for him. And then you also have his contract. Uh, as part of that, which is probably playing into why the Texans did not want him and why he's not with the Seahawks right now, who I, I got to think if you're looking at Baker Mayfield versus Drew Locke, you're probably going to lean towards Baker Mayfield. Um, just like if everything else was equal. So I, I do like the idea of waiting and getting the most. Um, I just, man, I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to start. I don't think he's going to go into a season as a starter somewhere as of right now. I, you're really, you're really banking on somebody getting hurt. Like how often does that, I don't know. How often does it happen to where a starter gets hurt in preseason? That's something we need to really check on. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say Brissett plays more starts more than Baker Mayfield. I just, I don't know that the starting opportunity is going to be there for him. And if they wait, if they wait into like what mid training camp, is that what we're talking about here? Like into training camp, uh, I'm just, I guess he's not coming to the facility. He's just kind of, he's kind of going through what Watson did, but not even practicing. Right. They would just make him tell him thanks, but no thanks. Go, go down to Austin and practice with your buddies. Is that what we're talking about? That's, that's the tricky thing though, because I, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit with Odell, like the Browns kind of told him not to come to work those few days, but at some point, like Baker Mayfield might have a grievance if the Browns say like, Hey, you're not allowed to come to our facility. So I, yeah. I, and, and then of course, you know, he, he could put himself in danger. Mary Kay, you and I have talked about this. He could get stuck on that dude did not report list, which then gets into the whole, now your mm-hmm. contract isn't, you've got some issues with that, whether you can actually become a free agent after the season. Um, it, it gets dicey once you get to training camp and, and then also the, the fine for not reporting to training camp. And I don't know if this is, if they would have to find him or if they could choose, that's something we'd have to figure out, I guess, but that would be $40,000 a day. So it, it gets tough once you get to training camp. I mean, of all the things they'd have to deal with this season, it seems like Baker Mayfield <laughs> lingering is not one that they just want to, pile on top you know um so yeah i'm gonna say they move him and I, I think i think he he moves to a team in a backup role and for such your winner here or baker mayfield could start <laughs> the first four games of the season for the cleveland browns <laughs> could you imagine that oh my goodness um no that that's that's not supposed to happen uh so that that is not in the plan <laughs> I can say that with some conviction, but anymore, you know, anything can happen and you can never say never, but um, yeah, I think I'll stick with that, that somehow, some way, and I do think it would have to stretch almost into the season. 
nobody really gets hurt in uh, preseason. They don't even play the preseason games anymore most of the time. Uh, so you'd almost have to wait until the first quarter of the season uh, about to see if someone goes down with an injury. But uh, in that scenario, you then would have to hope that a team feels that Baker Mayfield would give them a better chance to win than their existing backup. I mean, in the case of like, I mean, I'm just going to throw out like the Ravens. I mean, they, they probably would feel better with what they have. And I'm sure there are other teams that would. So, um, so that's no guarantee that a team would come clamoring for him, even if they do lose their starting quarterback. So a lot would have to happen for Baker Mayfield to start more games than Jacoby Brissett, but I think I'm going to still stick with it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say true on Jacoby Brissett. I I think like six starts kind of, I think for some of the reasons that same reason Scott and I are just on the same wavelength today. I think Um, that I'd obviously nobody sees Baker as like there. Yeah. Bring him in and start him right now. Guy now, obviously, you know, if, if ultimately Browns ate some of the money and, you know, a team brought him in for that reason, I, I guess, but I think it's going to be tough for him to, to go in and start right away somewhere, unless it's like the perfect situation. So I think I'm going to go true on my own question here. And just one other thing, because I understand Andrew Barry may be wanting to maximize the value of Baker and not wanting to pay that contract. Is there value though, in just like closing the book, like, even if you've got to eat some money, even if you've got to take a pick, you don't want like a fifth rounder or a sixth rounder. Is there, is there value to just like, I mean, we already know Deshaun Watson's a starter. There's no controversy, but like, isn't it just better at some point to just say, Hey, we're done. This is over. Chapters closed. Everybody has moved on. I think there is some value in that. And I think it might get to the point where uh, they decide to do that, but that might not, um, happen for a while because he can stay away from the entire offseason program so that that's not awkward or he can decide to show up if he wants to but he can stay away from all of that and then um, in the interest once again of making sure that he doesn't breach his contract he probably would show up for mandatory minicamp if he doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp and is willing to to pay the three-day fine of like $95,000 total. Uh, that's only because uh, his, his folks will have determined by that point that that won't breach his contract and cost him any, any bit of that $18.86 million fully guaranteed contract. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, um, that he, I think there is some merit and some value into just closing the chapter and getting them, him the heck out of here. But there is also something to be said for uh, waiting it out a little bit and see if someone is willing to take $18.86 million in cap space off your hands. And by then it probably wouldn't be the whole 18.86 because you're going to be three, four games into the season potentially. Uh, but if you can do that and you can get a little bit of a higher pick, that's good for the Cleveland Browns. And I think that's what they would hope to do right now. Who's got a good one for us next? Ashley, why don't you go? We want to talk about kickers because <laughs> yeah, let's talk kickers. All right, this is a way to get get into the news of the day a little bit. Uh, in case anyone hasn't seen, the Browns have re-signed kicker Chase McLaughlin. So 
I'm going to go, I'm try, I was trying to figure out how best to word this for the discussion, but I'm going to go true or false. Chase McLaughlin will be the top kicker on the depth chart in week one. I have to say false. I have to say false. I can't imagine that they're going to go into the season with Chase McLaughlin as their number one kicker. I think now they have some insurance. They have a backup plan in the event that they don't land one in the draft or the one that they have their eye on in the draft doesn't work out for them. Uh, Now they, they are covered, but I can't imagine that they can go into the season with Chase McLaughlin as their kicker given how he basically melted down at the end of last season. And I think it was missing some kind of something like seven of his last 10 kicks uh, in total. So uh, yeah, I just don't, I just don't see it. I think you have to have a really, really good, reliable kicker. Uh, It's so important for strategy and, you know, maybe they feel now with, with Deshaun Watson, it's not as important as it was, Uh, but I still think it's vitally important and, uh, I, I can't see it happening. I'm going to say true. Um, I, he seems like a candidate, for the new candidate for the Browns hate fill in the blank player. Now that Richard Higgins is gone. Uh, all right. So he made his first 10 kicks, which I've said over and over um, last season. He, he hit, he was four or four on 50 plus yards. He and Phil Dawson King kicker, Phil Dawson are the only two Browns to kick two field goals of 50 yards or more in the same game. And as I texted, uh, earlier today, he was quite simply the Browns' most dangerous scoring weapon through the first half of last season. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that no texter has called me out on that backs me up, or maybe they just saw it was another kicker text and didn't read it. But, anyways, um, I'm going to assume that they all agree. Uh, in the second half, as I texted, mistakes, mistakes were made. Uh, but really, we're talking like four games here weeks 11, 12, and 14, 15. You had the buy in between there. In those Four games. He was two of six on field goals. He also missed an extra point. The Browns lost a couple one-score games over that stretch. Uh, they barely beat the, the the Lions. That was not a game uh, that was on his shoulders at all. I think we know that the Baker obviously didn't play well. Um, they lost to the Ravens and beat the Ravens in that stretch. And then they had the Raiders game um, at the very end of it. And obviously that was that was the deal. I, I thought, well, maybe it was because it was cold, but it never got below 40 degrees during that stretch. So, so I don't know. I think, well, I have no idea why he, he went in the dumper at the end of last season, but I think, uh, I think he has a good chance to be the kicker in week one. I think that first half of the season should be encouraging to the Browns. And it probably has a lot to do with why they went out and re-signed him. Uh, they saw peak chase McLaughlin, um, so, yeah, I'm going to say it's true. He will be the kicker and deal with it. <laughs> That's a shirt right there. Yes. I'm going to save that audio for later, <laughs> please. I'm going to say false. Um, this just means the Browns don't have to kick, take a kicker at number 44 now. They can, you know, they can kind of wait and see if things fall their way. I was curious, though, because obviously Evan McPherson has been the, like, template here for why you might want to draft a kicker and so I, I did some searching today for Evan McPherson in a kicking battle and I found a blog post from stripehype.com uh, assuming a Bengals blog and the headline is the kicker battle will come down to the wire in 2021 between rookie Evan McPherson and who do you guys think he was battling with 
Any guesses? A good friend. An old pal. Zane? Not Zane. Austin Seibert? Austin Seibert. <laughs> A lot of former Browns kickers did very well last season. Austin Seibert, another drafted Browns kicker. Zane, a drafted Browns kicker. So there's drafted Browns kickers everywhere. <laughs> All right. So there we go. Our, our obligatory kicker talk. Mary Kay, what do you have? Well, first of all, before I, we move on, I just wanted to add that I do think that even though it didn't get under 40 degrees during that stretch, I still think that down the stretch is when you need to be getting better and when you need to be getting stronger. And mm -hmm. there probably is some weather element, uh, whether it be wind or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I still think that uh, the later that you get into the season, that's more important when you're in the AFC North. So I still, I don't know. I still have a feeling that they have to, that they have to upgrade over. I don't think I ever actually gave an answer, but mine was also going to be false. Um, and the biggest thing, just really quick, one final point, and we've talked about this on the pod during the season, like he was not good at that, those 40 to 49 yard shots. And that's like, should be your bread and butter. He was four of 10 this season. And that was when uh, those weeks Scott was talking about that those were where his misses came from. So I hope it is false is my answer. <laughs> well, if, if it's true, Scott can wear the shirt proudly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> At training camp. Deal with it. <laughs> if it's true, I'll put up a, uh, a poster of Chase McLaughlin <laughs> in my apartment. Also with, also with dead deer for no good reason, just dead deer around Chase McLaughlin. I don't think Doug has put up the Carson Wentz poster, by the way. We've got to bring that up in the next roundtable. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mary Kay, what have you got? All right. So I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun Watson, because as you guys know, whenever we do these sorts of things, I like to throw the big name people out there. Uh, so I, I have one uh, around Deshaun Watson. And uh, this is my true statement. Or the statement that I'm going to throw out there is, is true for now. Deshaun Watson will throw more than 25 touchdown passes in 2022. So for reference, because just because I have his page up right here, uh, 19 is rookie year. He was hurt 26 in 2018, 26 in 2019, 33 in 2020. He was healthy all of those years, 16 games, 15 games, and 16 games those last three years that he's played. So just what was the number you said, Mary Kay, 20? I said 25. 25? Okay. I'm going to say false. Um, I don't think he's going to throw as much. I do think the Browns offense is going to go through some changes. Uh, I don't think he's, they're going to get to the point where he was throwing as much as he did in Houston. Um, and like I said, outside of 2020, when, when they just, it was like throw or you don't have an offense. Um, he was hitting 26 the previous two years. So I'm going to say he's, I mean, he's going to have over 20, I would, I would think, but um, I think it's going to be barely over 20. I think he makes the whole offense work better. And that means it doesn't have to throw as much as he has throughout his career. I was going to say true. I think right now, because looking at the numbers, like I'm taking, I'm thinking about the possible suspension and how many games that would be. But looking at 2017, when he only played in seven games, starting six of those, and he still had 19 touchdown passes. So I'm thinking 
that he could do this even with the suspension, possibly. I think it's a feasible number given he that was his first year and everything like that. And he, you know, hopefully has more weapons around him and, and things like that to make it a little bit easier. So I think I'm going to go with true. I'm going to say false just because I think of the suspension. I guess if I'm going to say Jacoby Brissett is going to start more games than Baker Mayfield, and I have to assume like six games probably. And also I think there's going to be some situations or maybe some touchdowns get stolen, right? You get down, you complete a pass down to like the two yard line and Kareem Hunt runs it in or Nick Chubb runs it in something like that and end around. Um, so I'm going to go false. I think it's going to be close though. I guess I don't know if I can like take a push, like just go like in the middle on a true or false, but I think it's going to be kind of in that range of 25 touchdowns but I'll say he comes in just below. So I'll say false on this one. You know, my, my thinking for the number, uh, I sort of went with once again, a four game suspension. And I don't know why I have that in my mind. I feel like while I was at the owner's meetings, it just didn't seem like this was going to be a really, really long suspension. And nobody came out and told me that, but it was just sort of like the vibe. Um, And again, you know, we don't really know because there's still a lot to be decided, a lot to be determined. Um, but I don't know why I have four games in my mind. So that would leave him with 13 games. And I sort of went with two touchdown passes a game in 13 games. And then the other thing is Amari Cooper, I think it really matters when you have a really great target like that, uh, that I think those two guys are going to connect really well. And I, and I don't think the Browns are stopping there by any stretch. I think if they can bring Jarvis back, they'll bring Jarvis back. Although Jarvis doesn't, hasn't traditionally caught a lot of touchdown passes in a Browns uniform. I I've always felt that that was one of the most, one of the more disappointing aspects of his career here, but I think they will find somebody else Uh, that will be able to score the football. Now, I wrote something yesterday about Brandon Cooks. He would certainly be able to score the football, but I'm told that the acquisition or a trade for Brandon Cooks is unlikely at this point. Uh, But, I mean, if you kind of think about it, it it really wouldn't be that bad of a trade to make for Brandon Cooks. He already has natural chemistry with Deshaun Watson, those guys connected for something like 90 receptions in 2020 or 80, 81, 81 receptions in 2020. And I think six touchdowns. Uh, yes, that's correct. 81 for 1,050 yards, 1,150 yards and six touchdowns. So those guys already have that natural connection, that natural chemistry. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. However, I still think the Browns will draft someone that has the ability Uh, to get into the end zone a lot and catch touchdown passes for you. And I think that um, David Njoku will catch more touchdown passes than the three or four that he normally has had in his career. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think he's definitely capable of 26, even if he only plays the 13 games, I think that's a reasonable amount. Yeah, and I, I was just kind of looking it up too. And obviously, we know this offense is is going to evolve a little bit. But um, 
when you look at the number of times Deshaun Watson threw in 2020, it was over 500. No quarterback has attempted more than 500 passes under Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you go back to Kirk Cousins, um, he was under 500. Uh, 444, actually one of the only years he's been under 500 in his career. So I, I do think this team is still going to be a team that wants to run the football with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt too. So I, I wonder if those attempts go down as well. The suspension and, and maybe just a few fewer attempts makes me wonder if, if he comes in under that number. All right, Scott, you got to go to your backup here. A question first. Uh, you said we're going to do a fill in the blank podcast later this week. Is that a texters give us the question or we come up with our own because we come up with our own i'm going to save what i have our texters are our texters are going to give us the questions okay all right um all right i'm going to go a different route then um this is also i I had something for about about the browns and uh and the cap and how crunched they are the next couple years but i'm gonna i'll save that for a different time um this is also going to be related to sean watson uh, true or false, Deshaun Watson will be an MVP candidate this season. Now, he kind of was in 2020. Um, he led the league in passing yards. He completed 70% of his passes, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, he was on a 4-12 and team, though. And going back after he was signed and reading a lot of the stuff that was written about the MVP race that year, that was really – the big knock against him, uh, the fact that he was not on a winning team. Um, but whether you want to go by those traditional stats I just mentioned, or a lot of the advanced stats like DVOA and EPA, I mean, he was, he had an MVP caliber season. So now he's going to join an offense and a team that in theory should make him uh, a more efficient quarterback. That's what Stefanski's offense is designed to do. Um, Obviously, it's going to change a little bit because he's here. But even if he's out for four to six games, he could play very well, have stats that are comparable to 2020, at least from a percentage standpoint, and obviously be on a much, much better team wins and losses wise. So true or false, do you think he's in the MVP conversation at the end of the season? I have an answer. I want to hear from Mary Kay and Ashley first, though. It's a good good question. It's a really good question. And one of the things that I'm looking up right now as we speak, and I should know the answer to this, but I don't know the answer to it yet, is if you can win MVP, if you have been suspended Mm. under the personal conduct policy and i like i said i'm sorry that i don't know the answer to that right off the top of my head it's been a while since i've had to look up things like this um so i i'm i'm not 100 percent certain the answer to that yet um so well, that's Ashley- one thing that i was going to mention too um once yeah. it got back around to me is the fact that this award is voted on by media yeah. um i was and they would take that into consideration i'm sure even if Mary Kay wants to keep looking for if we can find some clarity on that to give folks an answer. But I was wondering that if everything's swirling around him, given that it is voted on by media, if there is just too much going on that he would not be able to overcome all of the allegations and the off the field 
um, opinions of him and things like that, regardless of what he does on the field and how far the Browns go. I think there's going to be a lot of people, you know, there was a voter this year that didn't want to vote for Aaron Rodgers because they, I think they're used some colorful language to describe Aaron Rodgers personality. But when you have, you know, this human element of it, I do think this year would be really difficult to, for him to win that. So I'm going to go with false without knowing the, the clarity on the rules in a situation like this. Yeah. And like, I would say, even if he's not suspended, um, I would say, I was going to say false. And I was curious if, if we would go down that road or not, but that was my reasoning. I just, I think he'll have an MVP type season and I think he'll have an MVP case because I think this team can win the division. There's that storyline, like, Oh my God, they went and got Deshaun Watson. He's had, he had this amazing year. They won the division. They made the playoffs. Like this guy should be the MVP, but I think, the 22 civil cases are going to prevent people from voting for him. I don't think they're going to want to give him the award, even if he ends up being statistically like on the field, the most deserving. I don't think he'll win the award for that reason. So I'm, I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false too, because just in talking to so many different uh, reporters over the past few weeks, uh, there are so, so many people that are still against Deshaun Watson, what he stands for right now. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time believing that he did not do uh, the things that are alleged in those lawsuits. So I think from a media standpoint, no matter what happens, uh, I think that, that people would not vote for him in a year in which he is accused of, of all of these things by so many women. So I'm going to go false with that. Yeah, I, I- I would probably lean false too. And I think it's again, for that reason, I'm glad you brought up Aaron Rodgers too. Cause uh, I mean, if people were against voting for him for his thoughts on COVID um, right. <laughs> it just seems like a little farther down the road, as far as trying to overcome you know, the way you feel about somebody. So uh, I do think that that would be, that would be hard. I, it'd be weird to see him have like a really great year. And then just, you know, there's just no way uh, I, and I, again, I, this is a TV show too, you know, the NFL awards show that's on at the end of the season. And uh, see, I mean, the NFL obviously didn't care enough to put him on the commissioner's exempt list, but to have him walk on the stage after everything that's led up to this. Um, I, I don't know. That would be, that'd be tough for a lot of people to watch. I'm sure. Now I, I think he can win an MVP award over the course of this contract. I think I think there will come a point where people just say, "Okay, yeah, we've got to vote for Deshaun Watson." But I I think this year, I think this is going to be one of those like mm-hmm. it is too, especially because mm-hmm. the cases might still be ongoing if they haven't been settled. So I think this is just going to be a year where it's like, no, we like we we just can't, we can't yeah. do it. Okay, let's take a break, and then I know we have a couple more to get to, so we'll do that on the other side. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Scott, you've already burned your uh, your backup. So, Ashley, Mary Kay, do either of you have a good backup? Mary, uh, Ashley, do you have another good, like, kicker one? Mary Kay, do you have a punter <laughs> one? No kicker, but I do have tight ends if we want to go that route. Yeah, let's talk some tight ends. True or false, David Njoku will have a career-high touchdown reception year as the tight end number one now coming off that franchise tag, possibly waiting for that extension. Well, we know, we know Mary Kay's answer. <laughs> she, I mean, she kind of said it earlier. I actually, I'm going to go true on this too. 
I mean, five. He, he's five, to five, five would be the new career yeah, high. He's going to score five touchdowns with Deshaun Watson. And, and Deshaun uses his tight ends. So, yeah, I, I think he'll score. He'll score at least five with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So I'll say true on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, true on this one, too. And Ashley, were you thinking touchdown catches or were you thinking receptions or what, what, what are you thinking? Catches, touchdown catches. Touchdown catches, yes. Yep. I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes on this. I mean, it's the bar is not very high. No. <laughs> and I think he will be used in the uh, in the red zone a lot, a lot more. And ironically, the bar not very high, but he was the leading. <laughs> we led the team last year in touchdown reception. So room to go up, we think. Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be true as well. I think you're probably going to see them use a lot more uh, two tight end looks, 12 personnel than 13 this coming season. Everybody seems to be hinting that. Uh from the Browns and the way they talk about how the offense could change. Plus there's the fact that they did let uh, Hooper go and they haven't really gone out and filled that spot. Right. So you have Njoku and Harrison Bryant and Njoku uh, has been a much better blocker than Harrison Bryant, even though Bryant is the guy who's usually uh, in the backfield pretending he's a fullback more than any of the other tight ends, which I'm, I'm guessing that's probably going to be his role going forward as well. Um, so either way, and the joke is going to be on the field a lot and he's going to be the tight end who's targeted the most. So, um, it just, it makes sense. I, I think this, this offense is probably going to look more like, uh, it's going to kind of shrink as far as who the, who's really being productive. You know, the past couple of years has been really across the board. It's, uh, really been kind of stretched out, um, as far as targets and catches and all kind of stuff. And I think it's going to be a little more condensed now and the joke is going to be a part of that. Yeah, I didn't think this would be that controversial when I posed the question. Uh, I was also going to go with True, just given the fact, too. And the other thing we always talk about with David Njoku is he's still so young that I do think he can go, you know, has has more room to grow. And I think just with Austin Hooper gone now, he's going to get more looks. Like Dan said, Deshaun Watson uses tight ends historically. Um, and we know how Kevin Stefanski feels about tight ends. So I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon, even if we see less 13 personnel. And I will say he will get that career high this year. And, you know, the other thing about uh, David is that even when he has so few receptions, uh, he is still catching touchdown passes uh, in, in 2017. He only had 32 receptions, yet four TDs. In 2021, 36 receptions, four TDs. In his career, he's had 148 receptions and 15 TDs, one for every 9.8 catches. And that, that's pretty high. So if you give him more targets, uh, he's going to respond definitely with more touchdown catches, and, and they do need to do that. And he's huge and he's a world-class jumper. So <laughs> that's your touchdown guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, th I think Scott made a good point too, that it's not really like, it's going to be Njoku, Harrison Bryant, and some probably somebody they draft. You know, I know that um, it got reported this week that Greg Dulcich was in for a visit. They're probably looking at tight ends on, you know, late third, early fourth round. So um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's going to be another guy added, but it's, it's going to be David Njoku's show this year. And look, he's, he's making $11 million. So it, it, they're going to use him. They're going to throw him the football in those situations. Okay. Uh, Mary Kay, what was your, do you have another one? Yeah, I have another one. Um, 
so this is, um, you know, this is a player that we talk about every single year, somebody that wants to challenge for a big, huge award every single year and always seems to fall just a little bit short uh, when he gets to the end of the season. So uh, I am, I'm going to say, um, is it true or false that Miles Garrett will have more than 16 sacks in 2022? That was his career high last year. And once again, he, he sort of tailed off at the end of the year a little bit and um, towards the end of the year. And I packed a bunch of numbers in there that he, um, you know, needs to sustain his strong start throughout the entire season. If he wants to make this push for NFL defensive player of the year, he needs to finish strong. In addition to, I also think that, that, you know, he needs to make, uh, more big plays, more takeaways, more tackles for loss, those kinds of things. But just in terms of sustaining his sack production, uh, I, he's got to do something uh, to finish as strong as he starts. True or false, he will have more than 16 sacks in 2022. This is tough for me because I think I think the biggest, one of the biggest reasons he slowed down so much the end of this year was because of that groin injury. And he was basically playing on one leg, but I know, I think Mary Caven before that you were talking about, you wanted to see more of the big plays and the strip sacks and, and all that stuff. And I know miles has talked about that too. I'm going to go with true, but it's almost like a conditional true on if he, if he can stay healthy enough through the season and, and be out there and, Obviously, you get to a certain point in an NFL season and everybody's banged up, but he can't be as banged up as he was those final weeks of this season if he's going to hit that number. I'm going to say true because I want it to happen so I don't have to talk about his sack total with an asterisk next to it because it's the since 1982 record, you know. We're all pretending that sacks didn't exist in the in the 70s and, and 60s and 50s um, because he is... He does have the single season record as far as the official count goes, but uh, there's been some research into pre 82 sacks and Bill Glass would be uh, your winner at like 16 and a half. So let's, let's say Miles gets to 17 and I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just, it's all about my emotions here. So it's, I'm going to say, yes, he does get to it. Um, and yeah, he did have a streak there at the middle of the year where it was, it was a sack every game or a sack and a half. And then and then it was just, I think, three over the last, what, six games. Um, three. So might have been seven. Three over the last, over the last seven, possibly. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of room there to, uh, to do that. I think. Uh, I mean, that's going to be the norm. I think for him right now is like, you know, 15 to 17 sacks. That's what you expect out of him. And then maybe one year he does challenge for the NFL record, um, which which also has an asterisk next to it because because really. Um, it is what Bubba Bubba Baker, I think, came out on top. Anyways, yeah, Sax man. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody's got to go through and make it a definitive list, like just the beginning of NFL football to today, and not just since '82. Mm-hmm. I'm Good gonna time. say I'm gonna say true. I wanted to look up. I wanted to make sure I had this list in front of me here. I'm gonna say true because. He's got some quarterbacks that I think he's going to be able to take advantage of. Now, obviously, they got to play like Tom Brady and, and the Bucs, and Tom gets the ball out fast. But, you know, Lamar gets to play him twice. He'll take some sacks when he's scrambling around. 
Joe Burrow takes lots of sacks. It's not just the offensive line. He gets to play him twice. Uh, you've got the Saints, and I don't know who's starting there. Jameis Winston, maybe. You'll be able to sack Jameis. Zach Wilson takes a bunch of sacks for the Jets. Carson Wentz, Washington, Mitch Trubisky, or Mason Rudolph with the Steelers. There's going to be some opportunities there, I think, to, to kind of load up and, and pile up some numbers for Miles Garrett with some of the quarterbacks he has to face this year. So, um, you know, there's some that are going to be tougher, but there's a few guys on that list that know how to take a sack or two. And I, I think Miles will benefit. And honestly, that number has grown every single year with the exception of the year he got suspended. So I, I think it's going to continue to grow this year. And I do think, I mean, just going back to the groin injury, like I thought it was so interesting when the Mannings had Aaron Rodgers on the Manning cast game when the Browns were playing in Pittsburgh. And Aaron Rodgers even mentioned how Miles Garrett was like playing on one leg and how much that helped them, you know, in that game. So I think it really impacted him in a way that even though he was out because he was out on the field so much and he didn't really miss extended periods of time with that injury, I think maybe people weren't aware of how much that actually impacted what he was doing, I think. I think there's a couple other things to consider here. And um, one of those is whether or not they do end up re-signing a Jadavian Clowney. Because I think it will help him tremendously if he has somebody like that on the opposite side of him taking a little bit of heat off of him in terms of uh, the extra attention. And, and now if Jadavian is back, teams know they have to account for him as well because he had a surprising nine sacks last season after only having three in his previous 19 games before signing here last year. So he would have to be, he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so I think that would help a lot. And then, um, you know, then the other thing that, that I look at, but, you know, almost every really great pass rusher has a game like this. You know, you, you have a tendency to say, oh, but he had four and a half sacks against the Bears and Justin Fields first start, which Justin Fields complained about this week by uh, no coincidence about that either. He talked about how uh, he did not like the way it was used. He did not like the way the game plan went in that game, but that was four and a half sacks in one game. Again, TJ Watt had three and a half against Baker Mayfield. Chandler Jones had five sacks in one game. So they do come in bunches when you find a mismatch with somebody in a game. But, you know, when you take away those four and a half sacks, you're looking at 11 and a half. And if I did the math right on that, and, uh, you know, that's, that's not enough. I mean, I guess you wouldn't take away all four and a half, you know, maybe you take two and a half of those away. Uh, but I do think Miles is capable of more and that he's got to dig deep within himself uh, to find not only those late season sacks, but once again, to find the strips, to find those game changing plays, to find those Aaron Donald, like I will not be denied because I am the goat type of plays. Yeah, he needs to combine his 2020 and 2021 seasons, right? One, one year he got the strip sacks, the next year he got, you know, the sacks in general. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, th I think that's, you know, like in the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald was like kind of contained for a little while. And then, like, at the end of that game, he's just like, nope, I'm, I'm going to make sure that they don't convert this fourth down. I'm going to make some plays here. Um, you know, and that's, I, I think Miles would admit that too. I think he always, you know, whenever we talk to him, I always feel come away feeling like he feels like there's a next level for him to get to as well. So, um, and he's just entering his prime. 
by the way, which, which is a, a scary thought, I think, um, for a lot of these guys. I mean, Aaron Donald, it was year five when he had his first big sack season, 20 and a half sacks uh, in 2018. So sometimes it takes some time for these guys to really kind of reach that really high, high peak of, of their career. Okay, um, my, my second one was really boring. We can skip it. Scott, you already did your second one. So I think we're good here. Our true and false questions in the books, unless you guys have thoughts on who's going to start at center next season. <laughs> but we'll, we'll save that. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to log off, and Scott is going to talk for the next 20 minutes about the starting center position. Yes. Austin Corbett, bring him back. Let's have a competition again. <laughs> Austin Corbett followed Ellis to Carolina. Yeah. He can't, he can't get away from former Browns. Can't do that. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, we've got a special guest coming up later this week. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to do some fill in the blanks. We got a roundtable coming up as well. So make sure you subscribe to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com/slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Scott, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>